Dirty Camp Blood, ain't ya? Thank you for joining us at Now Playing for our Friday the 13th Retrospective. With all the excitement of the Michael Bay remake of Friday the 13th coming out on Friday, February 13th, we here at Now Playing will be looking back at all of the installments in the Friday the 13th movie franchise, from Crystal Lake to New York to Deep Space. Never come back again. It's got a death curse. Just a quick warning up front. These are R-rated movies that barely made it past the MPAA, and our discussions of the movies are just as R-rated. And also, these reviews will contain major spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Today we're talking about Friday the 13th... Crap. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about? Um... We're talking about Friday the 13th. Yes, absolutely. The whole enchilada. Exactly. The whole enchilada, the entire series in retrospective. We're doing a retrospective on the retrospective. Basically, we wanted to highlight things that we didn't get to in the other 12 episodes about Friday the 13th, the background, the spinoffs, the merchandising, our likes, our favorites, our dislikes, etc. of the entire Friday the 13th as a whole. Yeah, I kind of felt like each of our episodes were so focused on that one movie that I wanted to make sure we saw the forest through the trees and looked at the series. In our very first episode, Stuart raised some very big existential questions. Why this series? Why is this part of our cultural pantheon of villains? And, you know, having watched these movies, I'm not sure we answered that because I think that I'm not entirely sure and I think it's something we need to look at. Before we go any further, this is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. Stuart in L.A. This is Arnie, co-host of Star Wars Action News, the Star Wars Collecting Podcast at SWActionNews.com, coming to you from New York, where I'm covering all the events of Toy Fair. Fantastic. So, Arnie, where would you like to start this retrospective of the series of Friday the 13th? Let's start with the movies. You know, looking at this whole thing... I just want to know, and we can people can go back and listen to the old episodes for a lot of the detail as to why, but I'd like to know what everyone's favorite and least favorite were in this series. <laughs> the best movie of the series is Freddy vs. Jason, and it's the best movie of Nightmare on Elm Street as well, I would, I would argue. But for me, the favorite one to revisit was Part 6, because it actually reminded me of my childhood. I saw it as a child... I was. It was the first one I ever saw, and um, it holds up. It's it's one of the better entries in the series as well, and it literally sparked um, memories of being a kid, having a subscription to Fangoria, and being in that mode. I was I was in that mode when I saw that movie, and it took me back to it. I would have to say my favorite one to watch was Jason X. I had the best time watching that one, but I think the best Friday the Thirteenth movie that we saw was probably six, but maybe two, because it really started getting, for me, what I understand as what Friday the 13th movies are. And six was a lot of fun. So I I like six a lot. My least favorite, I don't think this is going to come to anyone's surprise, was part eight. And if you want to hear why, you can listen to our podcast on that. But I still feel like someone owes me an hour and a half of my life back. And even thinking about eight, just makes me angry. But number one is great, but I think number six or Jason X for me is my favorites of the series. 
I hated eight too, Brock, and I really, really hated it. But this new movie, I would almost argue, is worse. In a way, it's not the worst of the series. You can't say that it's the worst one, but it's so superfluous. It's the least worthy of consideration. It's so pointless that I almost feel like that should be my choice for the worst. It's the one I enjoyed least watching. Even 8, in all of its awfulness, I enjoyed the discussion, I enjoyed thinking about it and putting it in perspective of the series. This new one, ugh, I just wish I had my money back. Both both money back, because I would like to remind you guys that I, I paid for this twice. I bought tickets for the midnight show, fell asleep before midnight, woke up with horrible heartburn, and then had to go and watch the damn thing again the next day, paying, I think, over $22 for all of this. And for the pleasure of watching the, my least favorite in the series, A Handsome Price. You know, I want to tell the audience, we did not discuss this before this call, but I find it funny that all three of us are going to answer in a similar manner that we have a favorite movie, and then we have a favorite Friday the 13th movie. Because I, like Stuart, think my favorite of this whole series we've done is Freddy vs. Jason. But I kind of felt like that's not a stereotypical Friday the 13th movie. And so if I'm trying to think what my favorite, you know, more stereotypical one is, Six was a contender, so is Four, though. So it would be one of those two. But hands-down favorite, Freddy vs. Jason. My least favorite, you know, I've always said it's part five. And I think that as a kid, when I saw part five, I just got hung up on it. It was Roy, and it wasn't Jason. It's not even a Friday the 13th movie. It's like Season of the Witches to Halloween. But doing this retrospective, I've changed my tune. Because part five, at the very least, had some imaginative kills. Without a doubt, for me, the worst was part three. Even though it has the one thing going for it, that it's where Jason gets his mask and they finally figure out what they're doing with him, the movie was so god-awful. And I want to say that since we recorded our part three podcast, I've watched it again because the DVD came out that actually has it in 3D. And I thought maybe I wasn't getting it and I need to see it in 3D as it was filmed to get the full experience. And let me tell you something. First of all, the 3D effects are piss poor. I saw my Bloody Valentine 3D recently in theaters. Tremendous 3D. It's amazing what they can do with digital effects these days. Back then, it was awful. The yo-yo scene, the popcorn scene, that stuff's not even in focus in 3D. And those red and blue glasses, not only did I have the pain of sitting through the movie, but I had a physical headache that would not go away for about four hours after I'd finished this movie. So in 3D, it's physically painful. In 2D, it's mentally painful. It is Poorly made, poorly acted. It is an incompetent movie. By far my worst. Maybe, maybe you need to read the novelization, Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, you deserve to have your head hurt. What are you thinking, man, watching that again? I wanted to see the 3D because when we were talking about it, I thought perhaps there were some things that didn't play. And you know what? Some things are better in 3D. That really fake-looking leg looks a little better in 3D. The scene where Jason is hanging and his arms go out, a little bit scarier in 3D. And the single best 3D effect was, sadly, that goddamn laundry post. <laughs> because they had so much time to know exactly where that laundry post would be, because the guy's staring at the camera when he's poking the laundry post at it. You know, he knew exactly where that was. The focus was pulled. I felt like it was jumping out of my screen into my living room. 
But when you get things that are more frantic, like the popcorn and the yo-yo, the focus puller didn't know what to do. And so it looks like it's coming out of the screen, but you lose it, you know? It does not work as well as the stick, which is not saying a whole lot. And by the end of the movie, I just, oh, I just, I just wanted to die myself. Now, so I I'm happy to, to take your word on me. it, Arnie. Yeah, happy to take your it. word on that. I'm I'm not going to to revisit it in 3D to find out what uh, I already know that it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> so you brought up that there was a novelization of the Friday the Thirteenth Part Three again. We mentioned that in that podcast as well, and we talked about the young adult novels of Jason X. Was there any other books that have come out from Friday the 13th that we have read or we know about that we didn't mention earlier on any of our podcasts or we should mention again? I'm actually not entirely positive about all of the novelizations for Friday the 13th. I believe that they've rewritten a lot of them. Like a series of Friday the 13th novels has come out doing them much long after these had come out. One of the first to actually have a novelization was Part 6, and it was based off the shooting script. And one of the interesting things about this is it includes Jason's father. And I believe that the Gravedigger character is Jason's father. And that was a plot that was excised from the final movie. Hmm. In the shooting script, was it Dudley instead of Horshack? I don't think so, but I do know they tried to get Dudley back, and Dudley said no. That's I, I got that from the Crystal Lake Memories book. Which is the other book you read for background material. Would you recommend that book to people if they're interested in the series? Absolutely. I found it to actually be a very engaging read, despite being almost entirely clips from interviews with very little narrative. I can say it's well-written, because you've got interviews with over 100 people, but they're arranged in such a way that they flow and create a narrative out of their dialogue. And I was pretty engaged during most of it. Some of the stories I knew, some of the stories I don't, and some of the stories you have to take with a grain of salt as it's people's memories, and sometimes you have conflicting reports right there on the same page. If you can find this book, I had to hunt and actually drive three hours to get it at a Barnes & Noble. It is out of print, but it is great for any Friday the 13th fan. And I'm wondering if it's out of print because they may be putting out a new edition with the new movie in it. I could see that as a possibility, but I don't know. As far as the comic books and the other novelizations, I haven't read them. I must say during the course of this, I am one of those people who's susceptible to hype. And because I was immersing myself in Friday the 13th for this, reading the Crystal Lake Memories book, watching the movies, and I even watched Friday the 13th actually three times because I watched it with the cast commentary where I found out about the wonderful onset egg rolls, which was all I got out of that commentary. But yes, I, I was watching the commentaries. I truly felt like I immersed myself in Friday the 13th, like Jason immersed himself in cryogenics in Jason X, that I went out on eBay to look to buy some of those books to read them and alas they were outside of my price range at over a hundred dollars a novel and so no i will never be reading those books because thankfully the remake has wakened me from my jason induced stupor hmm. yes the the movie was uh you know unremarkable unremarkable to say the least it was not only unremarkable it was a bucket of cold water now, what about that Saturday morning cartoon where Freddy, Jason, and Ash were all superheroes trying to save, uh, save the kids from the horribleness of the world and giving each other life lessons at the end? 
That was great. I love that cartoon. I take it you're making this up or you're trying to make a point? I'm trying to make a point in that (laughs) you would think that that would actually have occurred given the popularity of this series. They did do a live-action series named Friday the 13th. Much around the same time, Freddy had his own Freddy's Nightmares syndicated TV series. But I don't see this going into a cartoon. Now, there was a Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash comic book because they tried to make it into a movie. Rights got held up because now you're dealing with a third movie company and a third personality, Sam Raimi, who's sitting on Spider-Man money and doesn't really need to bow to anyone, unlike Sean Cunningham, who might have been on his last dollar for all I know. (laughs) So they weren't able to get it off the ground. They ended up making it into a comic book, and it was pretty bad, actually. It involved the Necronomicon and the Deadites, and Jason was, I think, one of the Deadites, and Freddy, and there was team-ups. And I don't know. I read it once, and it was unremarkable at best. So why wouldn't they go for Michael Myers? Why wouldn't they go for Pinhead? Why wouldn't they go for Leprechaun? Why wouldn't they go for Chucky? Why wouldn't they go for anybody else? Why would they stop at Ash and go no farther? I predict we will get there one day. I think it's all tied up in today's, you know, who owns what kind of thing. If you notice with the new movie, New Line and Paramount had to come together to make this thing happen because both own portions of the rights there. And I know that they were planning to do... Halloween, I think is what the the working title was called. It was a Hellraiser. Was Halloween. Um, yes, they were going to combine Halloween and Hellraiser. I, I don't. I really don't know how that would have worked. But Michael Myers would have gone at Pinhead. Pinhead would have had chains come out. Michael Myers would be dead. Credits roll. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like a fair match. But I do predict, I, you know, it's funny, I was reading Ain't It Cool News the other day, and one of the commentators r- remarked that this is kind of like the old universal uh, backlot characters, in that, you know, they back in the 30s, it was Dracula and Wolfman and Frankenstein. The Mummy. And the mummy, and and for us, it really is Pinhead and Mike Myers and Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. And I think eventually when rights kind of dissolve and these things become public domain and and are are not profitable in their current iteration, we will see more of that kind of combo. We will see, God knows what it will look like, uh, a TV series, an animated series, a movie, but we'll see all those characters, I don't know, maybe even in a sitcom. I feel like that's a sitcom. (laughs) A remake of The Odd Couple. Arnie, yes. what was the TV show of Friday the 13th about, and was Jason in it? Jason was not in it. This goes back to what I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts about one person owning the rights to the name Friday the 13th, one person owning the Jason character. And what happened was Frank Mancuso Jr. was working for Paramount, and somebody came to him, and this was the same year Star Trek The Next Generation was being launched. Paramount was launching a syndication branch. And from what I got in this Crystal Memories book, when their their brief, brief bit about the Friday the 13th series was that stations were coerced into buying this show saying if it would be illegal for Paramount to have said, if you want Star Trek, you must buy Friday the 13th, but insinuations might have been made to that effect. And so it was actually a very popular show on Pickup, and it had nothing to do with Jason. It was Friday the 13th for marketing only. 
It was originally, Stuart, do you remember the original title? Wasn't it Curious Goods? I don't know what it was originally called. I do remember it coming on TV and being through the moon excited about it. I remember even the TV promos was like this tombstone rising out of the ground saying Friday the 13th, the series. And I stayed up to way past my bedtime to watch it because it was on an ungodly hour. Friday, it was on, of course, on a Friday at like 11 o'clock at night. And I couldn't wait to see it. And then Antiques? What the hell was this? Robbie and the Antiques is what it could have been called. I believe it was originally a concept known as Curious Goods, and it became renamed Friday the 13th the series just for marketing. But what it was is an old man, Uncle So-and-so, I can't remember his name, Uncle Milton or Uncle Charlie or something, made a deal with the devil that he would have power in exchange for, in his antique store, selling demonic antiques that always were ironic in some way. It gave somebody exactly what they wanted, but at a cost, you know, every, you know, all these Faustian deal bullshit. And the uncle died because he pissed off Satan, and Satan killed the uncle. And the uncle's niece and nephew, who were thankfully unrelated due to the romantic tension there, you know, they were kissing cousins, inherited the shop and then took it upon themselves to hunt down all of these antiques. And so it was an, basically an anthology series with these two young people. Plus, I think they were aided by an old dude. And, you know, there was a cursed comic book where the person who wielded the comic book became the comic book character to kill people. And there was a cursed Cupid statue that would make someone fall in love with you, but then it would have to kill someone. And there was a cursed God, you name it. You would throw bodies into the mulcher, and depending on how good of a soul they had, that's how much money would come out. And, of course, the person who was using this the whole time falls in at the end, and a dollar comes out. Yeah, it was uh, Twilight Zone stretched out into a series. What's funny about this is I actually watched it through to the end, although the character played by John LeMay, who was in Friday the 13th Part 9 as the main character, he left after two seasons and was replaced by an even worse actor. And... The series was killed by the religious right. What happened was its ratings were getting good, and they stopped showing it at past Stewart's bedtime. In some markets, they were showing it at 7 o'clock in the evening, and, you know, it was about Satan, and so the Christian coalition rose up and killed the show. Well, say what you will about it. It was better than Freddy's Nightmares. Agreed, but that's not saying much. But, you know, they made this Friday the 13th series to capitalize on the name. The one question, and I mentioned at the beginning of this, why this series? Why Friday the 13th? What is it that makes this series iconic when April Fool's Day and New Year's Evil don't? Well, that was the question I posed at the beginning. I'm not sure I have a complete answer now, but I will say this. If you wanted to write and create a successful horror movie series, if you created a cool mask and a cool theme, and had a, a good title, you would be very, very far along the road, much further ahead than a lot of them. And I feel like, if nothing else, the hockey mask, the ch and the fact that there is this whole aura to the number 13 and the, and the date of Friday the 13th has made it instantly click with pop culture and that we forgive it all of its failings, which are many, very, very many, and we love it for those things. 
I have to agree with you. I don't see anything here that makes this a classic. Nightmare on Elm Street had something to it to make it a little bit more magical and really a part. It had the dream thing to make it unique. This has no hook. Freddy is a charismatic villain. Jason is not. What makes this so big? Honestly, you know what I can think it is? Is that, and I think it's ironic, I believe its popularity comes from it being so shunned that it became a naughty thing. Kind of like similar to porn, but not quite as extreme as porn, where kids thought they were getting away with something. Because when the first Friday the 13th movie came out, you had critics like Gene Siskel writing to Paramount saying, call it. Just so many people were rising against it that I think the youth counterculture, because youth is always counterculture. They always want to go against the old guard. In this case, the old guard was so ashamed of Friday the 13th that the youth embraced it. And now, much like Stewart said in earlier this show, where he said part six is his childhood, that's why it's remembered. It's remembered for the same reason we remember Electric Company and Kids Incorporated. Not that these were great shows, but because they were what we grew up with. And there was a lot of them, too. I mean, if you make this many in an installment, you'll remember them. I mean, I was talking to someone who's never seen a horror movie, and she could tell me that Friday the 13th was about Jason, and he had a hockey mask. It's saturated pop culture that deep. I mean, everybody knows that much if they know nothing else. And it's because there were so many of it. It was out every year throughout the whole 80s. We just couldn't get away from it. So if you were alive in the 80s, you knew about Jason and Friday the 13th. And Police Academy, because they also came out every year. But the funny thing about this question, about why Friday the 13th, now that I've seen them, now that the mystique is gone, because what you're saying about how it has permeated pop culture is absolutely true. I was a camp counselor in 1989, and I remember everyone talking about, I believe it was the Manhattan entry into the series, and everyone was like, I can't wait to see it, I can't wait to see it. And not the kids, of course, <laughs> at the camp, the, the counselors. And I never understood, why would you want to watch that? You know it's not going to be any good, and I didn't understand it at all. And so one of the reasons I watched the original Friday the 13th was because of this curiosity that was put in my head through all these years of the in the 80s, hearing people talk about with excitement, oh, I want to see the new Friday the 13th. And so now that I had a chance to watch it, and I'm in my 30s, I don't get it. I did become somewhat of a fan of the character of Jason throughout this entire retrospective, and I don't really know why. I just really like the idea of this iconic movie character. And perhaps that's really the answer, is that we can't really explain it. You can explain what's fun about Freddy, but I don't know if you can explain what's fun about Jason. Perhaps, since they plug him out so often, let's see what Jason's going to do this time is the appeal. And you know what? That could be as simple as that. Who knows? I agree the appeal of the series is the villain, unlike maybe what you would argue with Halloween, which is, if not a better series, at least a better original installment. These were never very scary. They're not any really very good, any of the movies. But the icon, the, the killer himself, is memorable. And that is what carried it. What I think is amusing is, in the beginning, I think the only thing Jason had going for him is he was killing kids that were even more repulsive than he is. And that you championed him. And you got a vicarious thrill of seeing the kids who picked on you in high school or whatever, the girls who wouldn't date you, getting off because they deserve it, the bitches. But 
what happened during the later Friday the 13th movies is Jason became a silent comic master, the master of the pantomime. He was the straight man, but he was getting shot with paintball guns. And, you know, he was playing the straight, silent comedian role. And there were just as many jokes in some of these movies as there were in any Nightmare on Elm Street movie. The difference is they just weren't coming out of Jason's mouth. They were coming out of his body language. Definitely. It was both the cursing and the, and the blessing of the character that he doesn't talk. In some ways, it makes him more imposing, but he never connects with the audience. He, we never really have, feel like we have a relationship with him. It's impersonal. I've always felt this series was very impersonal. Both the characters getting killed and Jason himself, they don't have a lot of personality. So it came on the, the script writers and the directors of the later pictures to find the humor, to play up the camp, to, to make the fun out of it. What I find very amusing, and this is going back to the Crystal Lake Memories book, is that so many of these movies were just pure exercises in commerce. The first one wasn't made by people who like horror movies. Even though Cunningham did Last House on the Left, it was done because he had just tried doing a ripoff of the Bad News Bears and it didn't work, so he decided to rip off Halloween to try to make some money. And all of the sequels were just cheaply made, quickie sequels, and it was the later sequels, which I believe we agree are the weaker ones, where people come in and say things like, oh, I always love Jason. But then they don't honor Jason, right, because they're trying to do new things. And it was the movies that were just sheer exercises in commerce that created the franchise, but there was no love for it. There was no love for horror. There was no love for Jason. There was love for cash. And that was, that was very disheartening. I learned a lot about movie making and the business side of movies from reading that book. And not good stuff, dare I say. As a fan of the series, it just felt even colder and less personal, as Stuart was saying. So are you going to conclude with me then, Arnie, that uh, Friday the 13th is not the series that Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween is? Halloween went so off the rails that I can't, you know, I'd have to go back and see that again to judge. It is not the series that Nightmare on Elm Street is. It's not even the series that Hellraiser is, having seen both of those series recently. It holds a place in my heart because of nostalgia, because I was a kid and watched them just like you were, Stuart. But having seen them all again, they're not deserving of a lot of love. They're just kind of fun, throwaway little things. They've got great moments in some of them, and most of them have some great moments. But he's more popular for what he's become than for anything that's been shown on the screen. Agreed. Now, one thing that I wanted to ask is, should this series continue? Given that we've had 12 installments, now I, part of me thinks one more and call it a day because growing up, everyone said, there'll be 13 and then they'll stop. And I'd hate to see him go out on this last one because talk about a sour note, but should it continue? And if so, should it continue the reboot? Should it be Freddy versus Jason versus Pinhead? Should it be Jason XI? What should they do? In my opinion, I think the only way they should bring Jason back is in a team-up, because we saw him work really well with Freddy. Whether or not it's with Freddy again and then somebody else, I don't care. I think if they make another Friday the 13th movie, it'd be a mistake, because they missed the point with this one so badly, and when I say this one, I mean the 2009 remake, that I don't really think if they make another movie in that vein, it would benefit 
anybody. You're talking about quick money grabs. If this new Friday the 13th makes a lot of money, you can bet your bottom they're going to jump on the Saw bandwagon and plug out three more real quick, and less and less people are going to go to it. I think what made series like Saw, and even Final Destination, for goodness sake, appeal to audiences is what they did that was different for the genre. Should they make another Friday the 13th movie just for the hell of it because this one made a lot of money? No. And for the record, even though we're not talking about this, do not, please do not make another Indiana Jones movie. It's exactly the same idea. So will they make another one? I don't know. But if they bring Jason back, please put him with somebody who's interesting and have them battle it out. Just have him fight somebody else. Don't put him in by himself. It's a shame to me that they've made this mini and not made a really, really good one. And that I guess what I had hoped for with this remake was the opportunity to actually make a really fine, theatrical, memorable movie. I certainly don't think they need to follow up on the reboot. I almost feel like they need to reboot the reboot. Like maybe wait 10 more years and then try it again. Or maybe not. If you're in love with the idea that there's 13 movies of Friday the 13th, I guess you feel like you gotta have another one. And certainly, if I was a money man, I'd make another one because probably one more will be profitable. I'm not sure many more after that would be. But for me, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this series. I don't need any more, and I don't think that creatively speaking, there's anything to do with it. But, you know, a pair-up, uh, it could be fun. I was surprised at how much fun I had with Freddy versus Jason. Maybe if they could rekindle that kind of giddiness, it, it could be worth it. I don't want to see them ever do another matchup. And one major reason for that is we are all shocked at how well it worked. And I think it worked that well because they spent so many years trying to find the right script and they found the right script. And something that's disappointing to me is the scriptwriter of Freddy vs. Jason worked on and was the primary scriptwriter on this reboot. And this reboot had none of what made Freddy vs. Jason great. That was a surprise to me, too. They'll never make it work that well again. They had a perfect MacGuffin for why Freddy needed Jason. But the more they try to shoehorn it in, why does Pinhead need Jason? Why does Leprechaun need Jason? Jason has the Leprechaun's goals! They're not going to make it work. And I just don't ever want to see them try. You know, every so often, it's kind of like what Spielberg said in the 80s about E.T. Everybody's like, oh, E.T. made so much money. Make E.T. do. He's like, no, I told my story. I'm done. Leave the team-ups. You know, I read Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash hoping that they'd have that same magic, that same fun. It's not there. Leave it alone. I'd almost like to see a sequel to the reboot to explain what the fuck was going on in the reboot. (laughs) I mean, that's not a great thing either. But yeah, I agree with you, Stuart. There's very few moments of greatness in this series, and there's no perfect Friday the 13th movie the way Nightmare on Elm Street, you can take part three and put it up on a pedestal. And Hellraiser, you can take, I guess, the first one, other than the walking scenes, and put it up on a pedestal. There's no movie here. I guess the closest we've come is four and six to a great movie, and each of them have their severe problems. I would like to see them truly do Jason right. And yeah, I think that means, like you said, reboot the reboots and get Michael Bay the hell away from Jason. One thing I did like about this remake is they didn't use a ton of CGI for the kills. And if they did, I didn't notice it, which means it's good CGI. 
one bad thing about the remake was all the handheld camera movements that was really, really the shaky cam problem that a lot of films have nowadays to quote-unquote amp up the tension. So if they do do another one, I reiterate, please don't fall into the trappings of modern filmmaking. Tell a good story. If this remake had a good story, if it retold the story well, if it had a solid screenplay, you can forgive a lot of things if they're telling a story. Whether or not you like it or not is fine, but there was no reason for the killing. So if they do make a 13th one, and maybe that's what we need for that pinnacle of what this series is about, someone needs to sit down and write a damn good script. And maybe this character won't allow that. Maybe that's the lesson. Maybe there's nothing there for this character but a hack and slash well, first of all, just really quickly, I'm glad you mentioned the shaky cam thing because that really pissed me off in the last movie. I wish I'd brought that up in that review because it had the same problem that Michael Bay's Transformers movie had. During the action scenes, I couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. But as far as writing a good story around this, I think we are dealt with a specific problem, and that is a villain who, by his nature, does not speak. The same as Michael Myers. He's a ripoff of Michael Myers. And it's going to be hard to try and tell that story again, interestingly, and make it not a greatest hits of the previous movies. You know, they tried to make Tom and Jerry talk. They tried to make the Pink Panther talk. If they make Jason talk, would it work? They could make him rap. I would. I, I think that might make him hip. You know, he could kind of be like street Jason and, you know... Nah, Run maybe. for your life. I got a knife. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Really. Put them all in a sitcom, in an all-nursing home, a horror nursing home, something. <laughs> I know this can work. I know that we would all be laughing. It's like the Golden Girls, only they're monsters. Go with me. How about Jason 90210, where he kills all the kids every time they have sex and drugs? Hmm. And the sideburns fall on the side of the road. <laughs> So I called Jason a ripoff of Michael Myers. Where do you guys think Jason ranks in the pantheon of villains? Horror villains or villains in general? Horror villains specifically. I'll start. I don't know because I haven't watched a lot of these (laughs) other movies. So he ranks number one, maybe number two behind Freddy because I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, He's number two. Uh, is that like the bathroom number two, or he's just in second in line for being great? Well, again, Freddy, Jason, and no knowledge of anyone else at all, so number two. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think Jason has his place just because his look is so right, and he's made such an impression on so many people, and no one can go to summer camp without thinking about him, but it just, it really hurts the series that he doesn't have one movie you can hold up as a great experience, and I was really looking to this new film to correct that, and if anything, they undid it, and so I I feel like the legacy of Jason is that he helped create and shape Hannibal Lecter, which is a great film villain, in my opinion, and maybe my number one, so he's, he's second tier. I mean, I think he's Friday the 13th movies are B movies, and he's a B movie monster. How dare you say 
that Jason is second tier and Hannibal Lecter is first tier. Has Hannibal Lecter had multiple video games made about him? Has <laughs> Hannibal Lecter over 30 action figures? Has Hannibal Lecter multiple sideshow premium format statues coming in over $300 a piece? And has Hannibal Lecter grossed as much at the box office as Jason? I say nay, sir. Actually, I think his box office might be comparable. And second, has Jason won an Oscar? End of discussion. Bing! <laughs> yeah, I agree. The box office tally, you might be very wrong there because when you add up all the Lecter movies, I think they do outgross, at least domestically speaking. The Especially the second movie. one, which is arguably the weakest. It grossed yeah. a ton of money. Yep. I would also wonder if Hannibal Lecter counts as a horror villain, but... I would say that he's pretty much up there. Even though he's a ripoff of Michael Myers, I got to say, Michael Myers has lost his street cred. He's definitely not as beloved as Freddy. He's got no personality, but he's definitely more vetted than most modern villains we have. If you look at Todd McFarlane's movie maniac line of figures, where they did a lot of primarily horror movie villains, and they tried to do iconic ones. They tried to do the Jin from Wishmaster. Jason certainly trumps the Jin. They tried to do the Blair Witch, and <laughs> the Blair Witch 2 quickly crashed and burned. Jason kept on trucking. You look at Leatherface, and Leatherface, say what you will about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and its remake being good or bad. I think that if you show the hockey mask to people, more people just know Jason. Jason's had more sequels and more people have seen it than have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I think he's done pretty well for himself. And again, there's, you know, action figures, there's Nintendo games. I remember playing that one on the NES. It was really, really difficult. I couldn't play that game. I, I remember playing it and, like, dying in, in 30 seconds. Did you ever beat it? Did you know how to make it work? I know the strategy, but I never had the patience to beat it because it was kind of a boring game. But it was by LJN, and they made a series of games. They also made a Freddy game. And you were a camp counselor, and you had to run cabin to cabin to protect the kids from Jason. But if you saw Jason, he would fuck you up. So if you're saying that Jason is popular, and yet we haven't had a great reason to find him to be so popular, wouldn't that make him the Jay Leno of horror villains? Because <laughs> I don't think it does. Well, think about it. He's iconic, yet he's not really good at what he does. Yeah, excellent point. Thank you. So what about this new DVD that's out called They Call Me Jason? Is that what it's called? Uh, his name was Jason. His name was Jason. What is that? I've seen part of it. I have not had a chance to see all of it. It's kind of like Crystal Lake Memoirs, the movie. It has interviews with a bunch of the cast from all 12 movies talking about their movie-making experience, and it's basically only for fans. There's not a whole lot there. It was well-made. I've enjoyed what I've seen of it. I haven't had a chance to watch it all just because it came out just Tuesday, and here we are recording on Friday the 13th. But it seems pretty good. Honestly, though, if I hadn't been in my Jason hype, I wouldn't have bought it. And had I seen this new movie, I certainly wouldn't have bought it because the hype is over once I saw the remake. It's like, oh. Sort of like Spider-Man 3. 
Yeah, very much like Spider-Man 3, just the disappointment. It's like, I just want to cleanse myself. Not that it was that bad, it was just that disappointing. Right, right. I can't imagine seeing this movie and wanting to buy anything for it. It's, uh, it's, it's the opposite of a collectible. <laughs> so the only man who actually donated to its weekend box office twice. That we know of. <laughs> oh, I will live in, with that till my grave. That is, that is true. It's sadly true. One thing Stuart and I had talked about offline is missed opportunities for the series. Where could the series have gone better? And there's one I read in Crystal Lake Memories that I wanted to bring up that I think would have been a great situation. They were interviewing the director of Jason X, and Jason X, director was not very proud of the movie he made. He did not find it to be very good. And it basically came down to a bunch of guys said it was a great idea and they went with it. He had an idea that once I read it in this book, I was like, yes, this would have been very cool. And that was, it's winter at Crystal Lake. Some kids break down in the snow and they are trapped in the snow at Crystal Lake and it's Jason in winter. Kind of like, Jason in The Thing versus Jason in Aliens. It would have finally given them a reason to have a hockey mask because I've always thought it was funny that a man is wearing a hockey mask in the summertime. Yes, ice. It would. He could actually have been, like, skating and, you know, yes. I, I like the idea, actually. I'm sad that he didn't time travel back to the Old West and play with dinosaurs. The Old West had dinosaurs? Have you been to the Creation Museum lately? <laughs> the one in my mind does. In the sequel that I wrote, after I wrote the sequel with me being psychic and battling, Jason uh, had him uh, going back in time and fighting a, a gunslinger that was also a brontosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> the Tyrannosaurus Rex, of course, can't be a gunslinger because he has little tiny arms. <laughs> I see some other missed opportunities. I think that, you know, first of all, the hockey mask. There's a missed opportunity there in that he just stumbles across the hockey mask because Shelley has it. That was an opportunity to make a moment. And it was also whisked in this current movie. He's just yeah. in an attic full of junk. <laughs> there happens to be a hockey mask. This is a big thing. This is Obi-Wan getting his lightsaber. This is, you know, a huge moment. And it is totally whiffed twice. No, I disagree. This is not Indiana Jones getting the scar on his chin. This is the dude finding a mask in a room full of junk, and you did not see that coming. Of all the surprises in this remake that are good or bad, you can choose them for yourselves, I thought it was somewhat clever that they found the mask in a big pile of crap, and it makes it unremarkable. Now, are you saying it's Darth Vader's mask being put on him and just laying around, this costume's just laying around to put a guy who needs a iron lug-like suit that looks like that? Just in case it, someone needs it, it's just so convenient that it just lays around. It should be more iconic. No, I don't think you should be a fan of a hockey player as a kid and therefore wears it because he loves that hockey player. No, this guy needs to cover his face because he's ashamed. It's a mask. Now, could it have been a Mardi Gras mask? Could it have been, hell, a William Shatner mask if they're going to rip off Halloween? Could it have been any other mask? Sure. But the fact that it was a hockey mask and it's so nonchalant, I thought it was a great way to bring it back in this time around. I don't know. I think that they could have done something more with it. You know, like, instead of just having it be a mask in a pile full of junk, 
have him be at that cabin where there were actually hockey sticks and have him intentionally trade up instead of, oops, my bag fell off. Hey, there's a hockey mask. I think I'll put it on instead. That scene was a ripoff. I was mad. First of all, when they tore the mask off, the bag off of his face, we didn't even really get a good look of his face. So I, that was cut so fast. I'm like, did we see Jason's face or not? I really, I don't know. And then, yeah, he was about to put the bag back on, and then he was like, oh, what's this? Huh. Puts it on. I'm just like, I don't know. It's like, oh, this is a fashion choice. This isn't like an iconic moment of I found myself. This is just, oh, I'm going to put like it was a wig or something. I mean, like, yeah, what, tomorrow I'll wear, uh, you know, something else. It felt very haphazard. It felt lazy. I felt like they should have made it a big moment, and instead it felt like a throwaway scene. I also think they kind of missed opportunities in that the later movies, Jason is a zombie. And they never really address it. They never are like, oh, my God, he's the walking dead. It's just always the same thing as they were in parts two through four. He's scary because he's going to kill you. But they skirted on the supernatural so much. With the exception of part nine, never really delved in. And even in part nine, when they did, it didn't quite work right. It didn't feel right. It was like they went too far then. Yeah. Yeah, they never really did bridge the chasm with whether we're watching a zombie or not um, mm. until it was, you know, part seven with him literally coming out of the lake with the skeleton back and all of that. I would have liked to have seen this new movie. I'll, I'll keep going back to the new movie. It was cherry picking all of the best ideas from the first four movies. I would have liked to have seen it come up with something coherent that sort of explained everything. And instead, I felt like they had just as many problems as the original movies. I hear you. I hear you now. I think I get what you're saying with the mask, too. If they're going to go back and reboot it, then give us a reason for all these things. So maybe this opportunity here is if they do keep him alive and make a new movie, maybe they can make him a zombie next time. But then again, they probably won't explain it very well. Yes. I'm not even sure why they dumped his dead body off the pier at the end of the movie, except for to the final set it up scare. for that. Exactly. Yes, right. Exactly. Something has to jump out of the lake. It's the rule. Yeah. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. You have to have it happen. I was actually really disappointed in the remake because the child jumping out of the lake and grabbing Alice is perhaps the finest scare in the entire series of Friday the 13th. And how could they not have the child jump out of the lake at the remake? Sure, they have Jason jump up at the end. It's not the same. It's not even close to the same. So it's a missed opportunity again. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And then the father thing. It would have been nice to see them explore the father thing. He has such mommy issues. It would have been nice to find out a bit more about the father. Then again, this series has never been good about writing characters, so perhaps that wouldn't have been done very well. But overall, say what you will about this series, and we certainly have said what we will, it's still an enjoyable series to turn your brain off and just have some visceral thrill. One more missed opportunity I think Stuart mentioned earlier in the podcast series was that they had an opportunity to take Jason away from Crystal Lake earlier. They had an opportunity to branch off with different ideas, and I think you might have said it in episode two of the series, Stuart, that instead they decided to keep them at Crystal Lake instead of keeping Jason in the town where the girl was. 
they went back yeah. to the lake and told the same story. And I think that has to be noted again that if they, you know, when they went to Manhattan, we talked about how Stuart and I really believe that it'd be a really wonderful movie to actually spoof New York completely instead of being on a boat for most of the movie. To actually do more things like that. We talked about the missed opportunities of spoofing Broadway or going to the Statue of Liberty and things like that. Those kind of missed opportunities are more about the particular movies. But as a series as a whole, if they got out of Crystal Lake in the second movie and made him just a different kind of murderer instead of just a campfire guy, would that make a huge difference to the series? Would Jason be more iconic? I think at this point, he would be less iconic. If you want a missed opportunity, there's no bigger one than the fact that it's called Friday the 13th and nothing about that date has anything to do with what happens in the movie. Other than arbitrarily, that's when some of the movies are set. I go. think that it's unfortunate that they didn't build in the mythology with that date. Maybe that's the date that Jason comes gets to come out of the lake. You know, how hard would that have been to come out with? I mean, give me just a kernel of logic to the supernatural, and I can run with it. But they never ran with it. They called it Friday the 13th because Halloween was already taken, and uh, they didn't stop thieving from Halloween there. So you're saying, like, the Wolfman can only come out during a full moon? So Jason only comes out when there is a Friday the 13th. This is like, what, twice a year he would come out and kill people around his neighborhood. Everyone in the town would know, don't go near the lake on the 13th. There's a Friday the 13th, and some fool in the beginning of the movie perhaps forgets it's the day, and he dies, and then word gets around that Jason is indeed around, etc., etc. That could be a nice gimmick. Yeah, it would have been nice for them to Why do not? that, considering it's called Friday the 13th. I agree. I see no reason why that wouldn't work in that, you know, it could be in the first movie, it is stated that this Friday the 13th is the anniversary of his mother's death. And so when Friday the 13th comes around, he goes a-hunting. Exactly. And once the morning comes, once daybreak comes, he crawls back into the lake. Now, obviously, if he dies before that or he gets thrown back in the lake before that, whatever. Yeah, this is a really simple plot device that the three of us can think of. Why can't someone writing a script think of that? Now, this, there's a lot of pulp stuff in these movies. That is a very pulp premise. It's kind of contrived. But for this kind of series and what it does, I think it fits perfectly, especially if you think about the mummy can only come alive if you know someone chants something or other, or Dracula can only come out at night, right? So it's the same kind of thing of a classic villain. Right? These classic horror movies have all these kind of things going for them. All right, so the point is there, and it would have been nice for them to do that, and they could have established it here too. So that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. I think my final question to you guys, and this can wrap up our Friday the 13th series in toto Do you feel better for having rewatched them? Well, I haven't watched them before, but do I feel better for having watched them? I'll take the question that way. Please do. I'm very happy I got a chance to see these movies. I really don't like some of them. And did I want to do something else tonight besides go see the remake of Friday the 13th? If I hadn't watched the other 11 movies, I would have said yes. But since I had, I definitely was happy I went to see this movie today on a Friday the 13th. It was a perfect way to cap it off. So am I happy I watched them? Yes. Do I like all of them? No. 
it reaffirms what I had thought about the series beginning, which is that it is a B-level picture. I was actually surprised to find the bits that I did like. I think I came with a very cynical attitude of this was an inferior series. I can see the highlights more clearly now, and it, I can see more variants, whereas I used to think, oh, they're all the same no matter which one you watch. Clearly, I think we can all <laughs> agree that that is not true. There are definitely variants in the series. It definitely goes in, in different directions, and some more successfully than others. Did I need to see this again? No. But did I enjoy it? Yeah, I had fun talking to you guys about it. I think we made a lot of interesting points, amused ourselves, hopefully some other people, and uh, had a good time. I have to say that, you know, earlier this very show, I said that there was no great movie here. But I want to say that there's two sides to my personality. There's the type that's going to intellectualize things and look at these movies and judge them as the film critic that I am for this podcast and criticize as a critic would. And then there's the part of me that likes tits and blood. And I had fun watching these movies. I was hyped for the remake. The remake ultimately disappointed. But as part of celebrating that hype, celebrating my own childhood, revisiting my own childhood, these movies are part of me and always will be. And this will not be the last time I watch any of them. Not even part three and probably not even the remake because I'm damn curious about that 15 minutes of excised footage. So, Arnie, Stuart, we have finished the Friday the 13th retrospective series. Where do we go from here? I think that we now go where no podcast has gone before. If you're referring to Star Trek, I think you're wrong in that estimation. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, we're talking about beaming up to Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams reboot remake, whatchamacallit, is coming out in May, and there are... 10 Star Trek movies for us to discuss in preparation for the brand new movie coming out May 9th, 2009. And guess what, Brock? I get to play the noob. You can be the experienced sage, and I will play the noob, because I've only seen a few of the Star Trek movies, and I've only watched a few seasons of Next Generation. So I'll be the uh, person discovering it all. Good. I have seen... All of the movies, and not as much of the TV shows, but I have seen all the movies at least once, so yes, I will play the different role that time, but I am by no means an expert in Star Trek, so I will be certainly learning things along the way. And I will be coming in as the part of a recovered Trekkie. While I never spoke Klingon fluently, I did know a few choice words, and I did have a spandex Star Trek outfit once upon a time. I may not remember all of the details of all of Data's romantic interests entirely and exactly who Troy was sleeping with which season, but I think I will bring a bit more of an expert opinion, even if my memory's a little rusty, because, let's face it, Trek didn't deserve some affiliation during some of those later years, but I think that reboot's going to change all that. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that. So you can hear those podcasts coming soon to Now Playing, and you can find them at www.nowplayingpodcast.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and you should get it on the feed. And if you want to hear other reviews besides Friday the 13th or besides Star Trek reviews that we're going to be doing about other movies, please visit our archive section at www.nowplayingpodcast.com. If you have ideas for movies or movie series you would like us to review and do a retrospective series of, please shoot us an email at show at nowplayingpodcast.com 
We would love to hear from you or go to our forums, which can be found on a link on our homepage. And I want to be reassuring to all of the horror fans who have been listening to the series and emailed us and said, you guys know there's another Halloween movie coming out. Oh, we know. And we will get to it after Trek. Well, thanks, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to our Friday the 13th Retrospective. We will be reviewing two Friday the 13th episodes each week up to the release of the new movie in February. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com to get the latest episodes. If you did, if you did, if you did, if you did. Now Playing is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved.